Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode where I'm continuing our journey deep diving into anxiety. And I'm going to continue to talk about anxiety in the brain, but specifically whether anxiety can damage the brain, because I've had loads of questions about this based on my talk last time. I will continue a little bit more going into the brain and anxiety, but this was a huge topic that sort of came up. So I wanted to make sure I'm addressing how maybe anxiety could be damaging the brain. Now, normal short bursts of stress that is normal. That's good for us, you know, to, to be able to do our best to stay alive. It becomes a problem though, when that stress and anxiety becomes a daily part of life, right? And that stress response, it's just constantly going off and off and off and off because our response system, that's going to start changing. Our bodies are going to start making less cortisol because there's already so much cortisol in the body, but it starts to create these imbalances and that makes our stress response system less effective. And so we end up in this really vicious cycle where we're really vulnerable to anxiety and we're stuck more and more and more in that anxiety. So chronic long-term anxiety that can actually cause damage to the brain. And we actually see abnormalities in the different parts of the brain that are important for managing our emotions, managing our behaviors, our problem solving. A lot of those areas that we're already having so many difficulties with anyways, and it's not fully developed anyways, but anxiety can definitely hurt those brains. So when we look at untreated anxiety, yes, it impairs the brain. It impairs our ability even to control our adrenaline in our body. And that just makes us always feel anxious. And so we know that having too much stress hormone that's continuously flooding the brain that increases our baseline for anxiety. So kids, when, when our baseline and our overall arousal level is increased, they're even more over aroused and their brain is even more trigger happy to false alarms. And they're just going, they're just looking at the environment seeing every little small thing could trigger them off. And so we see kids going from just a little bit of anxiety here and there to all of a sudden feeling irritable and agitated and and restless and anxious daily. And if that continues, we know that those brain connections aren't working and they're never really going to be able to think rationally. That thinking brain, because it starts to get muted, those connections aren't being used to be able to calm the brain. It gets harder and harder. And so that's just contributing to more anxiety and eventually panic attacks because the amygdala will just completely take over everything. And that's what contributes to the panic attacks. There are also parts of the brain, some of which I've already talked about, but um, you know, like the, the prefrontal cortex, for example, last time I talked about how it sort of shrinks <laughs> unit, the connections aren't working different parts that I haven't talked about. Um, the hippocampus, for example, that's our memory that decreases in size with chronic anxiety. And so we're seeing all of these different parts of the brain actually decreasing in size. And so they become smaller, they become weaker because anxiety is limiting those connections to those part of those brains. And when those connections are weakened and those areas of the brain are affected, of course, we feel more anxiety, right? Because we're always going to become more prone to feeling anxious because the connections that are being used all the time are the ones that are making us anxious and looking out for danger. And so that's just going to contributing to our feelings of anxiety. And so when we become hyperactive and reactive to any potential threats, that just, again, it's, it's strengthening that fear network. So I talked about the hyperactive amygdala. That's what manages our emotions. And it's sort of the watchdog of the brain. It's looking out for threats and, and, and it's always looking out for danger. As soon as it thinks 
if there's a potential danger, it signals the alarms to set off that fight or flight response. And, and when it's always being activated, those neural connections, again, they're growing stronger and stronger, and then it becomes more trigger happy, right? It's just setting off more and more false alarms. And so the brain just starts to sense threat all the time. And so even the smallest thing becomes a big deal. The brain is always hyperactive to any little thing. And because the amygdala is getting so strong, it just takes over the connection to our rational thing thinking prefrontal cortex, which I've already talked about last time, which really is the tamer of the amygdala, but it's cut off. So it should be helping us to kick in and say, wait a second, this isn't really a big deal. And so with a weak connection, kids have an even harder time thinking rationally and logically. And unfortunately, when they're not able to think rationally, the amygdala is now going on and on and on because now if the amygdala is always on the watch for something, the brain's always going to be hijacked and there's no problem solving, no rational thinking going on. And so, yes, I'm being repetitive, but that's kind of what happens. And so those connections, they're not ever able to be be used. And so they become weaker and weaker, those problem solving connections. And so we see a stronger anxious response part of the brain getting stronger and stronger. While our anxiety tamer, that's supposed to help us think logically and regulate our emotions, it's becoming crippled at the end of the day. Now, the other thing is, remember, I just talked about the hippocampus. That's our memory store. It's right next to that strong amygdala. Stress shrinks that hippocampus, meaning it becomes really hard to remember things that is associated um, with things like, um, well, any of our successes, which I'm going to get to, but we know that a shrinkage in our hippocampus, that can lead later on in life to things like dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that, because there's only so much room in the, in the brain to store memories. So, I mean, that's a separate side piece that we can look into maybe in the future, but we do know that when there's so much stress that can certainly contribute to, I'm not going to say cause there's never causal here, but it, it can definitely contribute to, but because there's only so much room to store memories, our hippocampus, if it's shrinking, if it's not working very effectively, it can only hold so much information. And because the amygdala is so strong, it tricks the hippocampus to think that the scary anxiety, failing, those kind of memories are the most important to store and remember. So the hippocampus is only going to store the most important memories. And so what we hold on to are those that, that are related to the things that we worry about or experiences where we failed or, you know, any sort of those bad I shouldn't say bad, a sad, angry, scared thoughts. Those are the ones that the amygdala tricks the hippocampus to remembering. So all the happy memories of times where we did manage something, where we were courageous, where we did handle anything, we were successful, they become buried. And so we only have the anxiety-based memories. And so then if we only have those memories, we're only going to respond in anxiety-related ways. And so the brain over over relies on staying in that fight or flight response. And so you can see how that fear network, it just grows and it kind of takes over. The other problem with the damage to the hippocampus is the fact that we can't accurately interpret and respond to information in the environment. We don't have all of the memories to be able to do that. And that's going to make us even more vulnerable. And so we're just going to be misinterpreting everything as a potential danger signal. 
Other parts of the brain that shrink include the anterior cingulate. So that's really important in making good decisions where we think through the consequences of our actions, right? It helps with that impulse control, but it also controls our ability to show empathy and to take other people's perspectives and to be able to problem solve with others, you know, and, and solve conflicts effectively. So my anxious kiddos who are always getting into a fight at recess because things aren't going their way, they can't solve problems, that's part of the problem. That part of their brain to be able to take the other kiddos perspective, it's not working very effectively and they're always going to feel anxious. And then it's worse if they're just getting in trouble now for fighting again. They just don't have control of their brain. So we've got to be able to work on, we're always thinking about what is it that we're going to be working on? What skills do we need to be working on? We got to make those connections stronger. So the rest of their brain is being heard. That's supposed to be helping them. I've already talked about the prefrontal cortex. Let's talk a little bit about that again. That's our control center for self-regulation. And that includes managing our emotions, managing our behaviors. Not only do these parts of the brain decrease, we also see the stem cells stop working properly. So again, our connections are weakened and the amygdala and the anxiety riddled memory stories, they just keep us stuck in that fight and flight mode. Now, eventually that anxious brain turns into depression. And so we got to look at that too, because the brain, it's all out of whack now. And the messengers, they start storming through the brain or they just start to sort of mope around because they're not working properly. And with depression, that comes the possibility of less oxygen to the brain. So we're looking at other potential damage, you know, that could be happening to the brain. So less oxygen in the brain that can lead to inflammation in the brain can lead to chronic illnesses and even brain cell injury or even death. So, you know, yes, it, anxiety does damage the brain. And I know that that's really scary to think about and something that parents have definitely talked about a lot with me, but remember. Remember what I said last time, there's hope. Our brain's flexible, it's adaptable. We can definitely change our brain and we can optimize its health. If we know how to help these kiddos effectively, we can strengthen those problem solving and logical thinking pathways so, you know, that's what we need to focus on when we're working with anxious kiddos and teens. Breathing is helpful for everybody. We all need to breathe, but is that actually going to help them build those connections? That's what we need to work on. It can be really helpful for us to know what's going on in the brain, but for them, we need to make sure that we let them know that the brain is so easily changeable and they can still learn. And we just need to teach them not to get so hijacked so easily, that prefrontal cortex, right? And if it is hijacked, then they can bring that, that thinking brain back online, get it back into control easily. That's what we need to. So yes, understanding the brain is important. No, I don't tell kids about the potential damage to the brain unless it's something that they want to explore, they're asking about, and that's a piece of their motivation. But I don't want to scare them even more either. So we got to be careful, but it's really important for us to know how big of a deal this actually is. We don't want our kiddos feeling hopeless. If it's helpful to motivate them, then that's okay. But they do need to know that they're, well, A, what's happening in their brain and that their brain can learn from their experience. And that's where all of this learning is from. It's through experience. So we need to make sure we're allowing them to have those experiences. It's not going to come from breathing. It's not going to come from talking. 
or trying to think differently, it's going to come through experiences. Now, we know early prevention and intervention is really important. So I hope this episode, that's why I decided I kind of hummed and pod because I don't want people to go all doom and gloom because of the damage that can be caused. And when I say damage, it's just change. The connections are weakened, but we can strengthen those connections. But I think it's really important to help highlight why early intervention is so important because I think we wait too long. Oh, they'll outgrow it. They'll get better. We'll just wait and see. And and then it just, once they get into teenage years, it gets really hard. And once they go into adulthood, it's really hard. And it starts becoming ingrained, especially if they've attached these stories that this is who I am and it's in my blood and it's in my brain. We know most anxiety starts in childhood. Over 70% of anxiety, you know, adults with anxiety, it started in childhood. And while anxiety is still treatable, if it carries into adulthood, it's definitely easier to treat when they're kiddos and teens. So that's why we want to get on top of this. And part of the reason too, is by the time they're teens, I mean, that anxiety, like I said, it's just this part of their identity. And that's really hard to overcome sometimes. I've had teenagers who just get angry with me. What do you mean I can change my brain? No, I can't. This is who I am. I just need medication. Right. And so it's kind of motivational interviewing to get them out of that loop. But there is more work to do. Right. There is a lot more. They've had a lot more experience to reinforce those fear stories. And so we really need to be able to work on changing their mindset just about being able to change their brain. I mean, that's the first piece of it and getting their buy-in and their motivation to do that. So I'll leave it here for today. Have a lovely day. Make sure you go and help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous through experience. That's how they're going to learn. And I'm going to see you next time. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,